one of the most successful campaigns that we've had was essentially just stripping everything down. We call them email mic campaigns because they are written by me, and it, we take no graphics, not like no like extraneous links or anything like that. It's me writing an email to our customers. And there is certainly a level of mirth and us just being like, like a good chunk of it is me being ridiculous and just kind of talking in that brand voice, but it's all very much, it's from me. It's how I would write an email. Um, and those work incredibly well. This week on Inboxing, Michael Johnston, Customer Marketing Manager at Moose Jaw Mountaineering. And we're live. Welcome back to another episode of Inboxing. Uh, I believe this is like our 38th episode maybe, but there's a first. Um, and believe it or not, this is actually the first time we're actually having a discussion with somebody who works for a big e-commerce brand. So it's very exciting. Yeah, I don't really know that much about Michael. <laughs> Although I do know that he's been working at Moose Jaw a long time. Moose Jaw is like a giant in the outdoorsman space and he'll talk about that because I don't need to inform everyone about that but thanks for joining us today and um, we're still looking for a sponsor for this season so if you're seeing this and you're looking to get your brand out there in the email space we're looking for a sponsor so I'll end with that so please welcome Michael Johnston from Moose Jaw. Yes. Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah for sure. Welcome to Inboxing. Uh, it's really great to have you. Yeah, so Moose Jaw, let's like jump right in. Um, it's also a place, right? Is it is is it related to the place, or it just happens to be, you know, named after the city in Canada? But that's kind of really where it ends. So <laughs> just kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, our founders were inspired. Um, they were big fans of the name, and they kind of took that. But that's really about it. So yeah, we've been around for uh, just over thirty years. And we consider ourselves the most fun outdoor retailer on the planet and the outdoor enthusiast destination. So um, we talk a lot about being fun. And I think that we are. I mean, I work with a, with a, with a great team that has fun in what we do every single day. And I like to think that that kind of shines through in the work that we do. So we position ourselves as being enthusiasts and a lot of us are and we just really kind of take that over into the work that we put out there so yeah right do you mean like outdoor enthusiasts like that's right yeah so so the the destination you know for people who are into climbing for people who are into camping well you know if you're just into hiking you know uh water sports ski sports those sorts of things so or even if you just kind of want apparel for when it's going to be cold outside or just want to look good outside that sort of thing but you know, we try to cover all those bases and cater to those audiences as, you know, as new as somebody might be into a space like that, to be inclusive, to bring those people in, try to be a good entry point for somebody who's looking into getting into the outdoors or people who are very experienced in the outdoors and just want to find a place that they can rely on with top quality gear and great prices. Yeah, no, that also speaks like right away, like I guess to maybe a challenge of you know, being a specialty brand, and right away, what goes to my mind, I actually did a little bit of work for B&H Photo. And it's very similar in the sense that like, yeah, people look for cell phones, but like their main brand is really like photographers and people that want like really great, very expensive gear. Uh, so it's very similar, sort of a parallel there of like catering to like the every guy, 
And then, yeah. And then, yeah, your enthusiast, like who your main brand really is. Sure. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And that can be, you know, and that's, can be like a challenge and just kind of jumping in and thinking about email marketing in general, how we figure out the best path for using email to reach customers because there are so many different kind of segments that you could look at, right? You know, our approach has to be multifaceted because we can't just paint with a broad brush when we're trying to reach people because we have people that are kind of all over the place. So, so that's, that's definitely a consideration that we take when we're thinking about segmentation, when we're thinking about the approach of what exactly we're going to message and how we're going to message these people, because we have people from all sorts of different segments. And it's just like, making sure that we're giving a message that we think is the most appropriate to those particular segments. So it's certainly something that we put a lot of thought into, and I think that we do a pretty good job of that. But we have a lot of information that we get on our back end to be able to differentiate and kind of know where people are coming from. And yeah, it's just, it's it's definitely something that kind of keeps you on your toes because we just want to make sure that those customers feel like they're getting the best experience by way of email from us. And we're you know, not just kind of hitting people with things that they don't necessarily feel like applies to them. Right, right. And it could also be tricky because like Joe from, you know, I don't know, Ohio, (laughs) could just be looking for a good coat and happens to be like a really good coat. But yeah, you have to to like, I guess, kind of navigate, like, you know, see what else he's looking at, I guess, to figure out if he's like a camping guy or he's just like a guy who needs a warm coat. (laughs) Right. And that is actually, I mean, you, you, you really like summed it up very well. Like that is something that we kind of think about a lot because, you know, it can be very easy based on like one particular order that a customer places to really put them in a specific bucket. But it's entirely possible that this was a gift or maybe this was kind of a one-off. So it's just like really paying attention to that customer journey. And also, I mean, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to kind of place customers in particular buckets. And we have personas based off of buying, be- buying behavior that we can leverage. But I think it's also important to us to make sure that we don't underserve a customer that we think then potentially could grow into these bigger areas, right? And so it's being open to show them things that maybe could get them excited about a particular area or keep a customer just aware of what's new and maybe things that they could kind of latch onto. So, um, so we're constantly just kind of thinking about those sorts of things and trying to, at the very least, not be boring to a customer who maybe this might not be essentially something that totally serves them, but at least they think it's fun. So right. I mean, that that kind of fun, you know, just like we're having fun in the inbox kind of attitude seems to come through in, in, every, in everything Thanks. you're doing. Yeah, no, so that's honestly why I reached out. <laughs> it's because that, yeah. that's, that, you know, people love that and, you know, it makes it easier. You're yeah. right. Like, and, and even in like Moose Joss's business, there's a lot of different levels, right? There's like not just clothes, right? There's gear, there's rental stuff, right? Like there's a lot of different levels of yeah. it, right? Yeah. And, and it, that goes to, you know, I mentioned the inclusive part of how we're looking to want to be a place that people who maybe aren't super familiar with the outdoors or kind of want to get into it. Like rental is a huge part of that um, because, you know, it, there are people who, you know, customers who maybe want to get into camping or want to try different activities. However, the the cost of entry is prohibitive. So this is, you know, an area that 
they can kind of go into and if they want to try, you know, try some gear out either just to kind of get a feel for it or just because I can't afford this tent on its own, but I still want to go camping and I want to have that awesome tent. And so this allows them to be able to rent it from us to be able to do that. And so, you know, the renting, um, rental is a huge initiative for us. Um, we're just this week finally launching, um, uh, a portion of our website that's going to be called retrail. That's like a, uh, going to be a marketplace for, um, pre used gear that if you've bought it from Moose Jaw, then you can list it. You can make purchases from there. So it allows you to find gear that maybe somebody else has already loved, pick it up for a great price. Or if you have something that maybe you've outgrown, you can kind of put it back into the ecosystem. So it's this big cyclical thing. So that's another new thing that we're doing that we're really excited about. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, because um, I mean, you know, it. there's a huge secondary market for camping gear and, and everything yeah. that you guys sell. So good for you for making sure. your own platform for letting your customers do this. I know. I think it, yeah, it's just like, it, like you said, I mean, that, that kind of lives out there. And so in, in wanting to be that one stop for basically that entire, you know, spectrum of customers is just trying to build out that as many services as possible. There's certainly going to be the people who want to spend a thousand dollars on a tent and they're just like, yes, I want the newest thing. I want this. That's great. But I think that it's, it services us really well to be able to then have additional options for, for customers and open that up so that everybody feels like they can be a part of it. So, all right. That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, we're like kind of sticking on the same question, but Moose Jaw has been around since like the seventies, early nineties, uh, early nineties. So okay. It's been just about the nineties. Yeah. So it's just been about just over 30 years. Right. But it started as a, as a store. I mean, uh, it definitely wasn't online in 1990. Or 92 or whatever. No, <laughs> no. They, it, as a store that was, you know, about 35 minutes outside of Detroit. Um, and then slowly kind of grew from there, taking on like orders over the phone. And then was like an early adopter into kind of putting that out uh, into the internet. So we've been in the e-commerce space for, for a large chunk of that time, actually. Yeah, and you've been there personally, like how, how long and what's been, can you tell us a little bit about like your journey uh, growing in the company. Yeah, I've, I've been at Moose Jaw for 10 years this year. So I've been I've been kicking around here for some time. I started at Moose Jaw as a part-time associate seasonally in the warehouse because that our office building kind of just handles everything. That's where and at that time customer service was, all of the marketing team, the warehouse of everything that's getting shipped out was just all in one big building. And uh, I was finishing up college. I needed an opportunity to kind of just uh, something that I thought would be fun. And I had a, a friend who worked there and was just like, this could be a good opportunity for you. They're a lot of fun. Maybe you could then, you know, rise up, do whatever. And that's worked out pretty well. So uh, <laughs> so I took that opportunity. Through, like there was an internship opportunity in the marketing team. Uh, did that for a while. Did SEO copywriting for a bit before then I parlayed that into an email coordinator position, which then I've kind of took and then built that team. And then now we're where we're at. And it kind of feels like it all went by in a flash, but I guess it has been a decade. So that's wild. But, and that's something that like, I, I love this company and I love the opportunities that they've given me as far as taking a chance on somebody. I didn't have, I didn't go to school for marketing specifically, but they, you know, took to me and I guess I did good work and they thought that I would do a good job at 
what I do now. And I think it's worked out okay. So, so that's really great. So yeah, 10 years. <laughs> 10, oh, wow. 10, 10 years at Moostron. Does that fun, mm-hmm. you know, that you guys are doing in your copy and, and, you know, and all your products and, and your brand and your, is that also felt in the office and in the warehouse? I, I, think, <laughs> I think so. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> the, when I came in the very first day for my interview, I was sitting there waiting for the interview to happen. So this is about 10 years ago. And uh, we have these, they're kind of like Nerf darts that like you put your finger at the front and you can kind of shoot them across the room and they're everywhere. And I was sitting there for my interview and I got hit in the face with a dart. I don't know if it was necessarily on purpose, but it just happened. And I just kind of was like, that's kind of what we're dealing with. And that's the environment. It's just, it's, it's, it's certainly, we have a lot of fun. We can be very loud in the middle of the day and just uh, very animated. And, you know, we, try to just have it be a good collaborative space that is doesn't take itself too seriously at all because i mean at the end of the day we're selling jackets like we're not saving lives or doing anything like that but we do take a lot of pride in our work but yeah the office is is kind of an absurd place to be but uh but we still try to maintain some professionalism we have fun so yeah nice it's good nice all right, so yeah, you were really in the in the trenches with this email marketing program for the last what six years, about something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what were yeah, the I challenges? Like, you came in year one. What, where we start? So it was kind of it was interesting because when I first got in, it was because we launched a sister website called Mountain Steels, and Mountain Steels is a companion to Moose Jaw that focuses on clearance and you know past season styles that we can kind of really focus on the discount part of that. And so when I jumped in, I was completely new to email marketing, really had no idea what I was doing. And we're essentially building a whole new site. So that was difficult. It's just as far as just like, what is this site going to be? What should we, how should we be presenting this to customers? I had no idea. And then it was uh, about just a few months after that, that the, the woman who was handling email marketing for Moose Jaw left. And so I had to go into that role. And Moose Jaw is kind of viewed as a, a, a bigger company, but we run pretty lean. And especially back in those days, we did. So it was just like she was responsible for email marketing and was the only person on the team that did that at all. So when I went into that role, it was essentially a good year or so of figuring out how to do, you know, we have recurrent promos that kind of run again or different ways of handling these promos in email, thing like that. And I had no idea how to do it. It was essentially trial by fire. It was really just like putting myself out there. And it was, I feel like it was a sink or swim situation of figuring out how we repeat the things that we've done before, execute them well. And also what makes sense as far as like, what should I be looking for as guide points of success? Like, so it was really just jumping right into it. And every single day was a lot of learning and a lot of trying things to kind of get it straight. So like then, you know, I mean, cut to six years later, it seems again, like it just kind of flew by. But so the biggest challenge, I guess, to sum that up is just coming from a place where there was a lot of unknowns and then just really kind of as just by sheer will of force, like figuring that stuff out because we had to. So I don't know. Yeah, that's. That, uh, that, again, six years ago, mm-hmm. it seems like a, a little bit longer uh, in a way. But, um, but yeah, it was just a matter of just kind of figuring out what's, what works for everybody and uh, 
and figuring out what I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. I mean, like, I think, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but like, sometimes it feels like there's so much work to do to just get, what have you already committed to getting out that to stop and say like, okay, like, okay, let's segment. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's overwhelming. So like, yeah, I guess it's like building the team and, and like slowing things down. And yeah, I mean, well, and that was the thing too, like in those early days, it was essentially just like, I, I was just trying to keep head above water as far as just like keeping up with, you know, making sure that we were appropriately like sending these messages that speak to what's on the website. I couldn't even at the beginning think about like, what does testing look like? What are these multiple, like, I didn't even know what we should be testing. And so it was just like, there was a lot of figuring that out as we went and taking any extra time that I had to really just kind of get my head wrapped around what is successful, what are good indicators of success, and then eventually like wrapping that in. So I think that the the first year or so that I was doing the program, we could look back at results and I think that they were okay. But, you know, you definitely like once it, it started to kind of click and and it's something that I speak about when thinking about really kind of understanding what makes your email program successful and looking at that data is I, I don't I'm sure you've seen the movie The Matrix. It's like when the, when when uh, Neo is able to see the mate like he looks at it he's like right. i understand it now. he stops the bullets right like <laughs> yeah, he stops the bullets and he can read the code and he's just like i get it i understand like and that's that's that was me i was just like there i feel like there was all of a sudden i just had like a, a moment that i was able to look at all this and it was like i i get it and context <laughs> is so important too obviously as i'm sure you know like i was trying to kind of suss out information from you know performance and certain things but it's not until you have greater context of like the entirety of you know how things have performed in the past and what you're kind of looking for that you it all really kind of makes sense. So I think you know it, for for others who maybe are building a platform from scratch, I think that can be a challenge as far as just understanding like right off the bat, like you really kind of want to know like is this good? Is this battle? You know, like there's a Reddit subreddit that speaks to email marketing, and there's a lot of uh, people in there who want to want like these immediate just sort of noted like is this open rate good and it's like well that's just kind of all depends is this click rate good like for you it can be totally different you know it depends on what you're speaking to there's so many things and so i think it's just a matter of getting that down and then you can really have this base and then work from there right right now like figure out what your baseline of success is and then uh, where you hit a home run or is that really just a single (laughs) exactly no that's a great way of putting it too for sure This is maybe similar, but like in terms of email marketing, what do you find is like the most challenging thing? You know, I think for us, it was really just, and I I, I spoke to this a little bit before, but, um, you know, and maybe this is going to be different for other marketers, but for us, it's, and for me in particular, it's really just kind of making sure that we are serving our customer the best and that we you know, like I mentioned, we have so many different avenues that we can take that with different customer types. So being able to do that appropriately and then understand a customer's intent, post open, post click, and just really kind of try to figure that out to then make successive campaigns better. Because there are some times where we have you know, we can see that an email performed well as far as clicks are concerned, but maybe conversion rate tanked for a particular reason. It's just like, 
understanding like what happened after they left the email that maybe kind of affected performance. And so like digging into that, I think that can be incredibly challenging because I mean, there are certainly times where you just have absolutely no idea. And so it's almost kind of like putting a puzzle together, or just like trying to follow the breadcrumbs to figure out like, you know, doing that extra work after the fact where it's, you know, and I think that was something that I learned pretty early on is that, you know, you can look at your ESP in the dashboard and kind of get some rudimentary numbers, but like, that's not really going to tell the whole story as to why something performed or why it didn't. And you need to really look at, at it holistically and kind of um, talk to all the departments. I feel like I'm very busy with mm-hmm. speaking to our buying team and customer service and kind of just trying to figure out, you know, the whole journey of a customer from there. So I think it's thinking about um, the entire journey and making sure that you are putting yourself in a customer's shoes, essentially, when you're thinking about how they interact with an email. So I think... I think that's it, you know, that and that and finding an appropriate send cadence, I think is, can be a very tough one to do, you know, and that's something that we, this many years on still talk about all the time, like looking at a send cadence for a particular week and making sure that we're not overdoing it or, you know, cause it, it's easy to say like, oh, we're sending too much. We got to kind of pull things back a little bit. You obviously want to keep a customer engaged as well. So that is a conversation with, you know, my boss, with our CEO that we have all the time. And we're still fine tuning that. So I think that's another thing, too. And that is just it's that's constant work. But I think being on top of that is important. So Right, right. And I'm definitely like I, yeah, I just what I say, I feel sort of a lot of my own clients that like we're struggling a little bit. You know, I like guess it's a, it's a discount furniture brand. But since we started yeah. and just found this out, like. Secondary purchases have tripled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this yeah. brand didn't have any email marketing. It was totally going to spam. And now, you know, but it, you couldn't tell that in Clavio. You have to go to analytics and look at, you know, new and return customers. And return customers are like saving the day right now. Like it's unbelievable. And that's, that's awesome. the kind of thing you're talking yeah, about. That like, yeah, like when you're day to day, you're looking in your, you know, your ESP and you're getting some data, you're getting some ideas, what's working better, what's working worse. But like to have that holistic picture. It's it's not easy sometimes to pull it all together. No, absolutely. You mentioned customer service. I'm just curious to know, like, does customer service have like, are you? Is it constant conversation? Are they, you know, giving you guys input, you know, towards Zima marketing or? I mean, they, we we I get contacts. I have a great relationship with with that team and with you know I so I handle you know I overview email for the company and also when we do promo codes and build those out. Um, and so because of that, and you know, we, there's just a constant kind of dialogue with the customer service team and with the buying team and our IT team to kind of make sure all that stuff's working. So we all have great relationships. And so, you know, I, you know, we see the feedback emails that come through when, you know, customers comment on just basically anything about the site. And a lot of times it can be email related or if, somebody comes in with a question to customer service. So it, it like it can really help us provide additional context on particular things, uh, be it with, you know, if something didn't work the way that they expected, if maybe, you know, you, you'll see comments related to like, I clicked through to this and I didn't see that, you know, that sort of thing. And so 
just all those little bits help. You know, it's it's you maybe kind of wish that you got a little bit more feedback, but but we do have those avenues to kind of uh, find a little bit more um, customer thought in that way. You might have already spoken to this, but what what are your some of your biggest learnings? I guess in the last six years, one thing that was a big learning for me early on was in regards to A/B testing that um, sometimes your test doesn't matter. And that was kind of a weird thing to kind of wrap my head around was I think in in the early part of this whole journey was you do an A-B test and you're going to have this definitive like, oh, yeah, of course, like this subject line is great. And that one is, you know, and that sort of thing. And I think the a big thing for me was just like you could find out that it doesn't matter at all. And that's super important information. Right. And we kind of have a joke about that. In, in office on our team that, um, as we say, nothing that you do matters, uh, but only as that applies to, we'll, tr- we'll try three subject lines or we'll try a couple different like variations of creative. And then we find out that the clicks are literally almost identical. <laughs> okay, that's great. So, in the, and I think that that is a good piece of information to have. And, you know, that then also going along with the idea, I think early on there was, and I think there's some people that assume that you can do an A-B test on a couple different ways of doing creative or maybe for different sort of promotions. And then you find that information and then you're good. But like that's that's absolutely not true. And how testing never ends. And it's something that needs to be done on a consistent basis because customer behavior can change. The state of the industry can change. Um, there's so many different variables that can kind of be thrown that way. So it's just like, to me, that's a big learning. It's just like, there's always information to be gathered from maybe testing and you should never stop doing it. So that's a big one. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think also like, you know, if, you, if you're if you if you like starting out, you know, and you have this like list of like 100 people and you think A-B testing, like that you can't, there's, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to have at least, <laughs> you know, like a big list is- to be A-B testing successfully. Like, you know, and I think, yeah, because all that information is out there, it's just confusing for a lot of people. I think that's a great point, and and I think that w- that's been you know that was a struggle when we were building this uh, Mountain Steel's website was that list size is a fraction of what Moose Jaws is, and with Moose Jaw, I think, and it's always been the case where we can A B uh, in you know tests and and we will come away with actionable information, almost you know without a doubt. Um, when you have that smaller size, it can be very easy to say, see, look, this particular mailer had, you know, twice as many um, orders placed on it. But you're like, sure, that one had 10, this one had five. Like, you're sending to such small, that doesn't matter. So it's like, if, I guess that's a great other part of it is just like, A-B testing is important, but only if you have the size that it makes sense to do. Like, not acting on information when the list size is too small to really, you know, a hundred people, what are you going to, you know, there's, there's way too many just different directions that can take. So yeah, that's a great point. Sure. Attention e-commerce store owners. Are you tired of losing sales due to an ineffective abandoned cart email strategy? Abandoned cart expert can help. Our proven optimization strategies are guaranteed to help you recover more lost sales and boost your bottom line. Plus, with our no-pay guarantee, there's no risk. Don't let your lousy abandoned cart emails cost you more sales. Head to AbandonedCartExpert.com now to learn more and start turning more abandoned carts into purchases. Mm-hmm.
You kind of mentioned this before about sending cadence, but I assume in six years ago you weren't sending, I don't know, five or six emails a week, but now you are. <laughs> so what was that process like? And, you know, and how's that going? You know, and the, there's a lot of thought about that, um, because I think one of the most important things is if you're going to send that many emails, that I think that there needs to be a motivator for the customer to want to engage with them and keeping them maybe, you know, when we talk about a promotion that we're going to have, we think about it as a campaign. You know, this is the first one. Maybe we have a couple in the middle that are reminder messages before we kind of cap it off like a last day message. And we're thoughtful to make sure that in the very least, there's something different in each of these approaches that kind of speaks to somebody differently. And so that can just be, you know, playing with creative and how this comes across to a customer. We obviously think about segmentation. If we have people who obviously very much didn't engage with this, we might drop them out on particular messages. But then we've also, you know, thought about just completely different ways to speak to customers that maybe matches the approach that they're looking for. I think one of the most successful campaigns that we've had was essentially just stripping everything down. We call them email-like campaigns because they are written by me and it, we take no graphics, not like no like extraneous links or anything like that. It's me writing an email to our customers. And there is certainly a level of mirth and us just being like, like a good chunk of it is me being ridiculous and just mm -hmm. kind of talking in that brand voice, but it's all very much, it's from me. It's how I would write an email and those work incredibly well. And that, that is a huge thing that we've been able to kind of fine tune that we see. We'll have a kickoff message on a particular promo. Numbers are good. They're fine, you know, and then we'll have this version of this mailer, maybe for the third mailer that we send out. And that has the most engagement by a lot. And that converts very well. Um, our, and it, I think it depends too. Like it works especially well for us, I can say, because our customer appreciates that. Most of them do, I think. And they love, and we, we see a lot of great feedback on that. They appreciate, even if maybe they're not interested in buying something, that they just love that sort of approach and that, that kind of email coming in. So um, having those sorts of personal touches, that's what works great for us. Um, it's something that we do pretty regularly. We try not to do it too much to a point that is then becomes worn out. But, you know, it's using our brand and infusing that throughout and just keeping this sort of um, just having fun with the campaign and just trying to find new ways to surprise a customer as this kind of goes along. So, um, and that it, not even just necessarily through a particular promo campaign, but just like in the different types of emails that we can send them. So we try to also send stuff that's literally just fun. There's nothing that we're selling. Here's just a, you know, something kind of silly that keeps somebody engaged. You know, we have a lot of fun throughout different holidays. You know, we send out some cool stuff for like St. Patrick's day. Um, and for Valentine's Day and just, I don't know, just try to have a wide array and it not just being like this promotional cadence that's just hitting with the same sort of message every single time. Right. No, it's like, I remember my last guest was Simon Harper. Uh, he's like a freelancer agency in the UK. No, he was talking about Surreal, which I had never heard of, but their emails are hilarious. And that's like a huge thing is like, 
doesn't matter what you're selling. If you can be funny in the inbox and giving people a reason to open. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's engagement. You and that's, yeah. And then eventually that converts. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, and that's the thing with some of those, it, and that can, I think, be hard sometimes for marketers because they want to quantify everything. And it's just like, so this particular email, well, we sent that out and it didn't make any sales. And so like, we shouldn't do that sort of thing. And it's like, I don't know, we, we do our best to look for those other ways, like the feedback emails that we get or people reaching out and, you know, mentioning how much they love stuff like that. And you can still like, you know, open rates, not what it used to be, but like, you can still kind of see that engagement in those sorts of emails in different ways. And I just think that there's a lot of value to that and to not look away at those brand building opportunities just because you might not be able to quantify them by traditional means. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And people love a personal email. Like, and I'm curious to know, does it go out as, as Mike from Moosend or is it Mike or is yeah, it? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 you know, in the name instead of just coming from Moose Jaw, it's like Mike at Moose Jaw. And typically a subject line will be something that is kind of off kilter. You know, the idea being that, you know, we're trying to hit them in a different way. Like if they didn't respond to us saying like, Oh, extra 20% off footwear or whatever, like, you know, we're going to position that in a way that is pretty opposite or just kind of speaks in a different way to find those customers who maybe just want a different approach. And those work pretty well. They work very well. Right, right. Yeah, we didn't really talk about automation at all. Like, clearly, you know, yes. like automation is, I like to say automation is bread and campaigns are butter. So let's talk about bread. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, like, you know, you know, where do you think you have the biggest impact? In terms of automation, I mean, it's always going to be a uh, welcome series for me. It has to be, you know, and especially for us. And I, I know that's like literally all I'm talking about is just like how important our brand message is. But this, like, to us, that's it's key. Um, we we like to assume that people know who Moosejaw is and like how we're fun and whatever. And I, there's a lot of enthusiasts in the outdoor space that are super familiar with that. However, you know, if we get people who maybe make a purchase off of like a Google ad, they see the best price on a particular jacket, just pull the trigger, make that order, whatever. They have no idea who Moose Jaw is. And so the welcome series in that instance is a, is a great tool to be able to inform them right off the bat. So we can hit them with that. We can follow up with messages about our rewards program, you know, immediately letting them know about like the, the rewards dollars that they gained on that particular purchase. And I think that that is a huge part of bringing them into our ecosystem and making it so, you know, we have competitors that sell the same stuff for the most part that we do. A lot of times the price is pretty close. And so, you know, if you want to stand out, if you want to have like it to us, I think that we do have things outside of just that, you know, the, our, our rewards program is great. We have those things that we talked about at the beginning about uh, retrail and uh, rental and stuff. But I think being able to immediately speak to our voice and get people to understand what it is we do, set the case, set the table for the types of messages that they're going to get, I think is huge. And so um, that's something that we talk about a lot, something that we're constantly making changes to and trying to improve. Um, so Welcome Series is, is really going to be it for me. All right. Um, what was your biggest challenge? I mean, maybe it's just what you mentioned before about, you know, uh, what happened six years ago, but yeah, you can think of anything else. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, 
that was a, yeah, just getting in was a thing. I think more recently, how I just alluded to it about the iOS privacy updates and essentially nerfing how we look at open rates where, you know, all of a sudden we're just seeing open rates just go up and up and up and up. And I was just like, at initially you're kind of <laughs> like, man, we're just doing it. Great. That's awesome. Until you realize like, okay, there's obviously something wrong here. And that had to make us reevaluate what were our indicators for success uh, when it comes to email, not only in that, but how we figure out segmentation. We relied a good bit on open rates to inform us like customers' level of engagement and reaching back out to them. And so when that, you know, kind of goes away, um, really rethinking, and I think it was actually a really good exercise for us because using other customer behaviors to get an idea on what means somebody's engaged or like if, if this was successful. So that was a big one for us because I think it broke uh, a number of, you know, like it's just, it, it really had to change the way that we thought about everything. But again, like I said, I think it was for the best, you know, and we've really found some, some send groups that we are very happy with. And we think that we're reaching the people that we need to reach. And sometimes it still can be kind of messy by trying to factor in people who, we consider maybe not in an engaged group, but actually ours. So there's a lot of just kind of playing around with it, but it took us off autopilot in a way. So it was good in the end. Right, right. I hear that for sure. Yeah, I mean, like what bothers me in particular about iOS is just, I wish ESPs would just give us an average. You know what I mean? Like if you have a list of 100,000 people, you know, and let's say 20,000 people are iOS and, you know, 80,000 people are, and in the 80,000 people, you got 20%. Assume Apple also did twenty percent. They're not like you know. They're not. They're not different <laughs> kinds of people. <laughs> they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's tough. Uh, yeah, I, I learned pretty early on that that was not gonna. We were not gonna get any help right there. So we kind of had to figure that out on our own. So right. that's okay for sure. Um, what mistakes uh, or top five mistakes, if you want? Do you think you know other companies are making? One I was thinking about the other day. So in. Parts of the United States, in Michigan, the sports betting uh, online is legal. And um, there is a company that sends me, a sports betting company that sends me an email that's like, hey, check out what you're missing at, and this is the name of their place. And they send that same email every six weeks. It's the exact same message, the exact same one. And I haven't unsubscribed if just because I'm just so... it. it I'm so curious about how, like, are they just not look tracking performance or like, you know, what's the thing here? How could they find that this is appealing to anybody? But I think super repetitive mailers. And in that case, like having something that they're just, they are, there must be somebody on their side that's bounded and determined, like, we want to keep this going because we want to keep people like, but not really paying attention to whether or not it's working. So that like a really repetitive mailer like that. You know, when we spoke to Send Cadence, there are, then you find companies that, it, for whatever reason, again, maybe they're struggling uh, with revenue. And so they send every day, sometimes a couple times. Like, I think to, to panic and pull the lever of just saying, like, no, 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 we need to, like, we need to make these sales. And so we really have to overdo it. And that doesn't work for multiple reasons. I think your emails kind of step on each other. And then also the fact that that's a really easy way to get unsubbed. So, so that's another one. I think forgetting to engage in personalization when you have that information available to you is a huge one. I mean, that's 
I feel like there are uh, sizable lifts that you can get just by having that information in there, be it a subject line or just, you know, and if you have that information, trying to find a way to act on it. On the other end of that, I think it can be really important to not go too far with that because I think you can really fall into a creepy sort of, you know, I, I think when customers, I think, understand that there's a, a certain level of information that you're collecting from them, but like, you can't really take it to, you don't want to really, it's again, something that we think about a lot. Like we have, you know, browse abandoned emails and, you know, we've seen examples before that are just really like, it's almost sneak up behind you, creepy sort of level sort of stuff. It's like, I don't think that that works really. I wouldn't like an email like that. Obviously we're, you know, the internet knows everything and he knows where you you are, but I think finding a good way to balance that without coming across is, you know, creepy. And one thing that I think has been that I'm really cognizant of is like overly spammy subject lines. Um, I think I've seen uh, a, a shift into like a more conversational tone that's not really going to focus so much on, you know, big, like, you know, things in all caps and all this sort of stuff. And again, maybe that's elementary, but like it just, to me, it, you know, I've noticed it more and more. There's a lot of brands that I love that's just like, it's, it, I think that a, the customer loves to just be and this relates to like the email mic mailers that we send out i think a customer uh, appreciates being talked to in email in a way that is personable and not being treated like you know you're just opening up email and here you just like pop-up ads essentially so that's a huge one for us right right as a marketer you know like as an email marketer particularly i hate when my customers say do a blast <laughs> like we don't blast <laughs> we'll no. do a send to people no, no. and remember they're people <laughs> and that's it yeah all right so speaking of tools yeah what are you what are what are the tools of the that you like to use in your email marketing i mean we're pretty like you know meat and potatoes over mm-hmm. here honestly like we have our esp um we have our back end that allows us to you know, easily. I think that the, a huge thing for us is we um, have a platform that allows us to really get granular with customer information that allows us to, you know, segment about as much as humanly possible that we could do. And relying on that to not just have information as far as like engagement, as far as clicks or something like that, and then moving from there, but really just drilling into like we're able to get as precise as particular categories or browsing behavior. Um, so if, if that's something that, you know, is for somebody who's maybe starting out or is a relatively new thing, if you're able to grab information like that, I mean, in an e-commerce platform, I think that's been a huge uh, tool for us. Right. Is that your ESP? That's, uh, that is our, uh, we have a, a, a a data um, uh, middle ground that allows us to like, they basically track all of the customer orders and get that customer information. And so that's like sideways to our ESP that we're able to grab data from there and then bring that into the ESP. Cause the ESP is kind of doesn't have all that <laughs> stuff. And so we kind of have to work together to kind of bring that. So again, we're kind of running a little bit old school with a couple of those things, but um but I think that that can be a worthwhile investment for anybody who is in an e-commerce platform that's really trying to be super 
personal and really kind of trying to take personalization to that next level is, you know, being able to lean on that sort of thing has been huge for us because as we found out pretty early on that like just trying to reach customers based off of previous behaviors or like if they purchase something or if they're opening emails, like being able to find people and customers like right at the cusp of making those purchases is, is huge. And, and the, the conversion that you see from that is unreal. So finding people who are in the midst like was big for us. And so that platform allows us to do that. Is, is that a CDP? Is that what that is? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Agile One. What's it called? Agile One. Agile One. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I don't know it, but if they want to sponsor. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll give them a call. All right. So spoke about brands that you like to follow. Um, so what are the brands that you follow for, or look to for inspiration? Um, that's a great question. I feel like there's a lot. Um, I, one of our competitors, or not competitors, but one of the brands that we carry that's a huge brand for us, the North Face. Um, I love the, their email campaigns. They're, they're one that I think does a great job of, you know, their uh, subject line and pre-header is, is, is very conversationally like it comes across just supernatural about like, hey, this is why you need to know about this without really kind of screaming it at you. You open their email, they play well with negative space. It's kind of simple. Most of them aren't very long. And it just really helps put a focus on that particular product. And I really love it. Using GIFs along with just like product call out. So you can just very easily see uh, the benefits of whatever they're trying to show you. And I think that that's, that's it's really simple. But Simple is not the same thing as easy. It's very thoughtful in the way that they put them together. So I love theirs. Another one that I, I really love, is, and this sounds kind of funny, but is uh, Delta Airlines. Because I'm just typically in awe of the breadth of their campaign because of just the amount of personalization that they use. I always find that even if I'm not really thinking about taking a trip, like I'm always curious about like the information that they're sending me and they're always showing different things. Like Their team must just be... Uh, massive and they do great work. But I just love the way that they take your customer information and just parlay that into showing you different things and stuff that you might like. They take that personal, like based on maybe previous behavior of like where you've flown to and kind of trip stuff and obviously position in a way of showing you things that doesn't come across as creepy, but they're definitely informed on what you've done in the past and then try to find ways to sell you in the future so it's like i think that that is a great way to use all the information that you have and really kind of keep somebody in that you're always thinking about them but it never comes across as like over the top or spammy so that's great all right awesome i didn't even realize north face had like their own marketing team you know oh yeah oh yeah yeah they're pretty good ah can you speak to like either a favorite automation that you did or a campaign that you did that you just feel is like that was awesome. Can't believe we pulled that off. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think that goes back to, as far as favorite campaign, that really goes back to the the one that I was speaking about earlier, yeah, that the, email, the, the Mike, Mike version. Yeah. Uh, I think that's got to be it. That's number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an approach, again, that like we've just really kind of fallen in love with and we've used to kind of inform just the greater strategy of how we uh, speak to customers throughout just all the rest of the emails, you know, finding those, I think being, having access to these feedback emails and like seeing people comment through social media, you do really realize that 
everybody, there are customers that read every single inch of your email. And sometimes you think like, I'm going to throw this in terms and conditions. That's going to be at the bottom. No, no, they do. They very much do. Like we've done stuff before on these email, like ones where in terms and conditions, I sneak in, I was just like, what is everybody's favorite candy bar? And I, I just, I'm kind of curious, like, let's, we're, we're going to send some swag out to people who have like the best responses. And then later that afternoon, I have a thousand emails, <laughs> right? It, which the first time we did that really took me off guard and I didn't properly like have like a separate folder for that setup. And that kind of just, you know, took over my inbox. But I guess just speaking to that particular type of email again was just, it opened our eyes to understanding that that real estate that you have in your email, every single part of it is uh, worthwhile. And, you know, you need to be thoughtful about all of that stuff. So another reason, I guess, why that's my favorite is it's just really kind of informed every single inch of what we do, alt text, uh, terms and conditions, the text for all these sorts of things that we kind of really think about on a regular basis now. All right, awesome. I've reached the final question, but I still want to talk. <laughs> so I'm just going to do that. All right, you've been part of yeah. this team long enough to see uh, Walmart come in and and buy the brand and what year was that? That was, what was that, five years ago, I believe. Okay. I think that's about right. All right so what did, how did that change anything? Or like, did they just like let you guys keep doing what you're doing? And it didn't change anything, honestly. Like it was that was pretty great because um, I think that was the biggest concern. You know, we take a lot of pride in in our voice, and again, I've said that a million times. But I think the biggest worry about an acquisition like that was them, you know, figuring that that was going to kind of really take away what we think makes us special. That you know, maybe there would just be new guidelines for how things were done. Uh, by having this Fortune One company just kind of like sit over there and maybe keep an eye on us and stuff like that, but it's it was this here's the same like 250 or so like people based right outside of Detroit that are just doing their thing and we're able to kind of continue doing our things. So we've been very lucky and we don't take that for granted about that you know we've been able to really do things the way that we want to do them, speak to customers the way that we want to, and keep having fun. So. Uh, so that the way that things were previous to that are pretty much the same way that things are now, which is great. Right. And then very recently, even like you guys got sold again, um, now to Dick sports, um, which I assume is now one of the biggest sports revealed sports and gear retailers in America. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is, we feel pretty great about it. You know, we've met with, uh, the top people over there. They're very enthusiastic about Moose Jaw. I think it's going to be a great pairing. So it's just adding, you know, I think some complexity and adding like, you know, just a different level to what they offer. Um, and by all accounts, we're still just going to be the same old moose jaw, which to me is very great. So pretty excited about where things go with that. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean you could speak to this a little bit, but like, I think in general, like personal brands, brands that like really have a personality and don't talk like a corporation you know, are popular <laughs> and going places and getting bought. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I, I, you know, and I think that just as a consumer of world, you know, goods everywhere, like, <laughs> like, I think that's such an important thing. Like, I don't want to be spoken to in that way. And I just, you know, I think we make the correct assumption that everybody else feels that way, especially when you're in something in a space like we are, that's a little bit more, you know, we're dealing with, you know, like I said, climbing and 
hiking and like these are communities that are very social and uh, you're dealing with a customer base that wants to, you know, it's, it's not these singular activities. You're dealing with people who are very much like wanting to live in those communities and kind of hang out and be, enjoy the outdoors with everybody. And so you don't want, you want to have that personal touch. And I think that we do a good job of it. I think you do too. All right. So with that, we can go to your final thought, you know, final thoughts. Final thoughts. This was a lot of fun. I just loved kind of talking shop for a little bit. Um, so I'm, you know, I think that email is still a very, like, I feel like every so often you see tweets or articles that are written about email being dead, about just like, oh, this is it. Like, finally, like, you know, I think there's still uh, so much strength in, in email as a way of reaching customers. I think that the, the ROI is, is, is great. And it's something that I enjoy. I love being able to, I, sometimes I look at it as emails like a book to movie adaptation where your website is just this big, wild, unwieldy thing. And then you can use your email as a tool to kind of just condense that and show the greatest hits or like the scenes that you really want to show to a customer and finding new and exciting ways to do that all the time is is pretty fun for me and so you know we're this long into it i still find that you know new ways to kind of tackle problems and new things that we can do all the time and so i think that you know it's still a fun place to be and a fun place to live in all right well thank you so much for coming on and sharing all i think i yeah i was i also had a great time (laughs) so thank you i really appreciate it um stick around for a second Um, That's our show for today. Um, I really hope someone was watching and enjoyed it. And if you did, let me know, leave a comment or something. And uh, we're still, we're going to be launching actually uh, around April 1st. Let's look at a calendar and get stuff produced. But that means sponsors come a knocking. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. That's all for today's episode of Inboxing. Uh, Big thank you to our guest. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any feedback or suggestions, please just reach out to me at hello at hellobird.com. Um, before we go, I want to remind you there's still sponsorship opportunities available for unboxing. Uh, so if you're interested, you can just reach out to me again. And thank you to our current sponsor, which is Bentley Card Expert. Uh, without their support, this wouldn't be happening. So if you're an e-commerce brand looking forward to recover more lost sales, uh, be sure to check them out at BentleyCardExpert.com. Thank you for listening and tune in next week, every Monday, the next episode of Inboxing.